Yeah, it's like, oh, you're willing to pay me to do this? I thought this was just like a fun thing that I could, uh, you know, do just to help me get through this boring meeting. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and right in the evening. What's up, everybody? My name is Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. In today's episode, I speak with William Warren, who is the founder and CEO of The Sketch Effect, which is one of the more interesting companies that I've ever heard about. William is definitely one of the most interesting people that has written into the show. So he emailed me, let me know a little bit about what he does, which is basically uh doodles during other companies meetings draws things for them uh sketches while they're doing presentations and things like that to try to capture uh important ideas and concepts of what they're saying through imagery through like fun awesome imagery on a page and uh it has really caught on he has massive clientele like the mba google um major, major companies are using him to to sketch things during their meetings. Um, he also does other visual um, communication sort of stuff, but uh, the, the most interesting part is definitely the sketching part, and that's what we will talk a lot about today. So without further ado, here is the sketch effect. William, thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, happy to be here. Appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, definitely. So I was just kind of bragging to you about your company a second ago when we were talking about just what an amazing concept this is and what a unique and interesting concept this is. So why don't we start out with you telling everyone about your concept and like how exactly you came up with it? Yeah, sure. So uh, the Sketch Effect, we're about five years old as a company. And um, we are a visual communications company. So basically what that means is that we help our clients communicate their ideas more effectively using visuals. Um, So, you know, that's animated videos, graphic design, illustration, um, and especially a live event service, which we call graphic recording. Also goes by the name of sketch notes or um, live event sketching. Um, But basically we add the element of visual learning to a uh, corporate environment, to a conference environment, and really just uh, um, try to, ele- you know, our mission is to elevate ideas through remarkable visual communication. And so, you know, we just want to really elevate ideas um, by presenting them visually and making them um, come alive through through visuals. Right. So the first part that you were saying is, is a piece that... Uh, that I feel like if, if, if you were to say like, oh, I'm into visual communication, I feel like a lot of people would say, oh, cool. Yeah. Like, you know, you make um, little animations or, you know, you make these videos or whatever. And you, you guys do that as well. But the latter piece is the part that is really uh, unique and, and interesting to me. So if we could dig into that a little bit more, uh, both live events and then also just kind of help people generate like still pictures for their presentations and stuff like that. Um, I mean, you're basically like making these works of art, so like so to speak, to go along with the presentation, which is such an interesting thing, right? Yeah, so it really it was something I stumbled upon uh, organically. And in, in my previous job, I worked in corporate marketing, and um, I have a background in illustration and art, and grew up doing comics and cartoons and all that. And so I just needed a creative outlet. So when I was in meetings in my former job, I would 
sketch during those meetings, um, usually in my notebook, just to, again, have that creative outlet. But uh, sometimes I would get up on on a whiteboard and, and sketch in front of the people in the room. If I was leading the meeting, then I would, you know, maybe illustrate out my key points. And, um, you know, what I was learning is that people really found value in that form of communication um, where you, it's not just verbal, you know, it's not just written, but um, you're adding the element of visuals to it. Yeah. And so this was about five years ago. And I did some research and there were some other folks already out there doing this type of work professionally. Um, and so I just dug into it and it, it's it's something that I was excited about and loved doing and um, did more and more of it as just kind of a fun, again, just as a fun creative outlet. Um, but soon realized that there was a real value in this um, beyond just a fun thing to do, that it actually added a tremendous amount of value for the one doing it, but also for the ones in the room um, uh, kind of watching it happen. I love that sort of business story where like you're the one you're the person in the office who's known for doing this thing like, oh, hey, you're the guy who draws during meetings. And then one day you're like, oh, crap, like I can start a whole company based off of this thing that people know me for at my current company. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're willing to pay me to do this. I thought this was just like a fun thing that I could, uh, you know, do just to help me get through this boring meeting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the more I looked into it, the more I realized there was tremendous value in it. And um, I, we'll probably get into this later, but the science really backs it up too, that that when you add visuals to communication, it makes that communication more effective. So let's get into uh, that and, now. Yeah. What is yeah. some of uh, like the data that backs this? Yeah, sure. So there's really four primary areas that 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 we feel like um, or where visuals uh, kind of make communication more effective. Um, efficiency, uh, comprehension, retention, and shareability. So, um, you know, the first one is efficiency. Uh, th- there's there's some unbelievable stats that show that the brain processes visual information way faster than it processes verbal uh, verbal or text based information. So, in terms of in terms of um, you know um, comprehension. Um, there's a, a bit of data that says that 83% of human learning occurs visually, uh, which is incredible when you think about most corporate environments where it's heavy on the PowerPoint, heavy on the the, the PDF. Um, you know, if, if your only focus is text-based communication, you're missing out on 83% of 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 how people how people learn. Right. Um, there's another really interesting study that I I read about where um, folks who uh, were following directions that were based on both text and illustration did 323% better than people who did who were following directions without illustrations. You know, you think of IKEA furniture, you put it together uh, an IKEA bookcase and it's only illustrations. There's no text in those manuals. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty, that's pretty, uh, incredible. You're making uh, me think about, um, street signs as well. You know, like that, that obviously that was done for a reason. They could have made every single street sign just a, a rect, a white rectangle that says stop and then a white rectangle that says yield and then a white or whatever, but they did different shapes and different colors. I imagine for exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. There's something about visuals and about icons that get lodged in people's brains. And, you know, this goes back to the age of prehistoric, you know, cavemen, Neanderthals, you know, like images just stick in your brain. And, and humans have been communicating visually for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I mean, you look at the ancient Egyptians and the hieroglyphics that they created and, you know, from the ancient Chinese cultures to the Greeks and Romans, and um, it's just been part of humanity. Um, and for whatever reason, 
reason, corporate America and our educational system kind of lost touch of that, I, I feel like, in the 20th century. And it's been really exciting in the last uh, couple decades to see society moving back in a visual direction. And, and the growth of visuals-based social media platforms really testify to that that people are hungry to communicate visually, they're, they're, they're eager to share information visually. Um, and so at the Sketch Effect, we want to we add that, uh, you know, add that visual communication to, uh, to a more corporate setting, um, you know, one where you might not normally think a cartoon is the right fit or, or, or whatever. But, but again, the data shows that it, it you know, it, it makes it more effective. Yeah. So I would imagine that something that was very difficult uh, when you decided to move from working from the company that you were working for and just doing drawings for them to doing drawings for other companies is knowing what to draw. So like I used to work in the medical device industry and, you know, like I've seen on your website that you will do these sort of like live sketch things. So if a company is having a big meeting or like a big convention where they fly in all sorts of employees and stuff, you will do drawings like over the course of three days or whatever, you know, right. and, and kind of keep track of like the major meetings from the, the whole conference. So I was just thinking about that with like medical device. And I'm just like, you know, it's very difficult for somebody if they're not in medical device to know what the important parts are. Like, how are you supposed to know what are the most important uh, topics for you to be drawing when you don't have any sort of like esoteric knowledge of what's going on in this industry or what's going on with this particular company within this industry? Uh, Tell us a little bit about that, about how you know what the hell to even draw. That's a great question. It's it's one that we uh, we encounter a lot. Our goal is not to be stenographers or capture the minutia of a meeting or the nitty gritty of a particular subject matter. Um, our goal is really to zone in on the big ideas, the core ideas, and, and draw out the the overall themes. So that so that's that's the first point is that we're really in the room to help capture and document the big ideas. Um, the second point is that when we begin working with a client, um, we will do uh, some initial discovery where we work with them to kind of get a high level overview of the content of their meeting or the content of their conference. Mm. And obviously, we can't be brought up to speed on you know medical devices or whatever um, in, in a in a two or three hour meeting. Um, but our goal is to get enough surface level information that we can. Um, we can at least understand some of the acronyms, some of the big, the bigger ideas, um, so that when when we're in the room, we can know what to listen for and all that. Um, and then the third point that I would mention is that um, even if we might not understand the specifics of that particular subject matter, we still can get to the root of the idea or the motion behind it. Um, so we may not know what an acronym stands for, but we can tell if the folks in the room are troubled by that acronym or it's frustrating or it's a threat or it's really wonderful. Um, and so we can, we can tap into that and, and draw, draw out, um, more of that, uh, kind of the emotional side of that idea. Um, and then a lot of our work we do, um, we do, uh, communicate a lot with our clients in the moment so they can come over and help us help correct us or give us a reference point if a particular acronym is just you know, totally a uh, mystery. Mm, yeah, that's a great idea. And then in terms of uh, imagery, like what are the sorts of things that, I guess just like take us through one, like take us through one that you would be doing. Like how would you be deciding like what you're going to draw? 
Uh, obviously, there's going to be different words on the thing, but then there's also images. So if somebody's talking about this thing, like how are you deciding what images to draw and everything? Just walk, walk us through like what your mindset would be. Yeah, absolutely. So we pride ourselves on our visual literacy. So, uh, you know, we, we think visually, we process ideas visually, um, and we synthesize on the spot. So um, our team, our, our artists, we have kind of like a go-to bank of visual metaphors that are already, um, that we already know and love. Um, and we're still, we're exploring and finding new ones all the time. Um, but, you know, a lot of times if, if people are, are talking about, uh, you know, finding balance or something that we can, we have a great icon for, for balance. Um, or um, if they're talking about momentum, you know, that's a great opportunity to draw like a train barreling down a tracker or, or a rocket ship. Um, I'll give you a recent example. So our team recently sketched at an email marketing conference in Atlanta. Uh, it was, it was a great event, a second year in a row we've, we've sketched at it and it was all about, um, you know, what some might consider a dry topic, you know, email marketing. Um, uh, but, um, you know, we were, uh, but they were, you know, they're talking about how to push the limits and how, you know, what are some new techniques or new, new ideas. And so, um, I remember we drew a, um, like a giant email icon and then people kind of leaping off of it, kind of like taking this, these risks and, um, exploring the frontiers of what of what email marketing can can look like, um, and so you know, just dropping in those little email icons, and um, if it was something about like a, a dated or old email technique, maybe we'd draw like spider webs or cobwebs on it, or show it like rusting or crumpled up, or um, if it's a really incredible email marketing technique, it's like at the top of a, a podium carrying a trophy, oh, you know, things, I love things that. like things like that. So one thing that we love about our job is that. Uh, we get to um, try to come up with fun ways to visually represent otherwise complex ideas. Yeah, for sure. I It occurs to me now also how fun it must be for yourself and the different artists and the different people at your company that go to these different events, getting to be like a fly on the wall and getting to be an outsider looking in at these big, interesting meetings that these companies are having about about their industry and you like you you actually are sitting there so you you get all these takeaways and you're you're picking up all this knowledge about all these different industries absolutely yeah it's it's that's been one of the most fun and unexpected parts of this job you know when, when i started the company about five years ago i thought oh i like to draw and i like ideas and i like people so this sounds like a good fit but i have learned so much and our, our team has learned so much and got to meet so many amazing people and you're right you know one day we'll be at an email marketing conference learning from the experts at at some of the greatest brands in the world and the next day you know we're in a closed door session with you know a mega retailer talking about how they're gonna um you know how they're going to um deal with uh you know whatever latest challenges they're dealing with and then the next day we might be you know um working at a, uh, a university event and interacting with students and college students talking about um, a totally different subject matter. So it's been really incredible. And I've, I've learned a lot. And um, yeah, I've got some, some interesting stories and some, some fun stories of, from, from various things we've had to sketch. I'll tell you real quick about the weirdest thing I've ever sketched. Let's do it. Uh, uh, one time I sketched a constipated elephant. <laughs> Why was that? And, uh, the speaker was referencing something and the line was, uh, had to do with the fact that if you believe such and such, you're more full of crap than a constipated elephant. That's what the guy actually said. 
Hence what he actually said. Awesome. So it was a hilarious line. And so, you know, as, as a, as a visual note taker, as, as a, as a live artist, I, I thought I can't, I can't pass that up. That's, you know, that's, that's too good of a visual metaphor to, to just to leave, you know, leave on the table. So yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it got visually documented and now it, uh, exists, uh, in visual digital form. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine you mentioning all these different meetings that you're in on that you're just having to sign like non-disclosure agreements all the time. Correct. Yeah. Many, I would say probably 75% of our, of our work is done, um, under an NDA or, you know, in behind closed doors, you know, we work with a lot of, a lot of big companies, a lot of teams, and they're working through some serious issues, um, uh, or they're, you know, they're planning something big and, um, you know, we're helping them work through that, but, but you're right. We can't, we can't share it. We can't talk about it. Unfortunately, some of our best work <laughs> is NDA protected, so it can't go on the website. Um, oh, right. You, know, you wouldn't even be able to share the images because exactly. Yeah, exactly. Damn, that's so interesting. Uh, well, I guess that means that, you know, that your image was really good. If they're like, you can't even share that image. That's how yeah. good that image was. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, and um, it's so it is great to be a fly on the wall, and and really just add value. You know, we we've we've found that that's honestly the most rewarding part is to show up in in, a, in an environment that would otherwise feel stale or stiff or boring, and provide something that brings excitement and brings um, brings joy and helps people latch onto the ideas in the room better, and uh, overall make the experience more effective and memorable for, for the folks in the room. Yeah. Um, and so that's, you know, that I just love when I hear from our team, like, oh yeah, I just wrapped up the event and, you know, they loved it and they were taking pictures of it and, um, you know, they want to know when they're going to get the digital images. Cause you know, we always follow up with, um, a digital version of the, of the physical sketch done on site. Right. Um, and so it's just really exciting for our team to, um, to add value in that way. Yeah. That's really cool, man. So William, back when I was in college during my senior year, I became part of a group of, I think five students that were selected from the business school to, a pilot like a new program where the business some students in the business school would work with local businesses and try like the local businesses would come to them with a problem that they wanted to try to fix and the business school students would try to basically fix their problem for them and you know write out this whole detailed like uh business plan so to speak of what they should do going forward and stuff mm. so very cool thing to be able to do There was this one guy that was in this one student that was in the group who one day, you know, we had taken all these notes and we needed to bring all these notes um, and our thoughts to a couple different people from the business school to show them what we had been thinking about and what we were possibly going to be presenting to these businesses at the midway point. And uh, one of the guys in our group, he he all of a sudden like while we're giving our presentation these people from the business school he's like hey actually like i like to really think in images and i and i have this thing (laughs) i forget what he called it like a brain something and and he's like and i made like a a powerpoint uh display of of just this big image of like all my thoughts you know and he put it up on the board and it was like just the biggest jumble of stuff like all over the place, <laughs> right, you know? Right. And I looked at it and I didn't even know he was going to do that, you know? And I look at it and I'm like, wow, like I don't even know what's going on right here, you know? Right. And and immediately the person at like at from the business school was like, 
I have no idea what's going on with this thing. She's like, if yeah. we could just stick to like uh, regular notes, that would be great. And like, please don't show this to the client. You know, like, please don't show <laughs> right, this to the right, business. Right. And he's like, okay, you know, and he felt bad. Um, how do you prevent that from happening in your business? That is a great question. I think, and I th- I'm guessing that that uh, colleague of yours, that fellow student of yours, was doing a mind map. Is that oh, sound? Yeah, is that yeah, sound yeah. right? That's what. Okay. Yeah, that is what he called it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So one of the things that we always emphasize when we are training new team members and um, coaching coaching our existing team members is to keep in mind the reader and the user. Um, you know, obviously the work that we're creating is organic. It is on the fly. It's not planned out. Um, so there's some limitations to to that, but we really emphasize the visual navigation and, and visual hierarchy of our work. Um, and so by visual navigation, I, se- I essentially basically mean, you know, when a reader looks at um, uh, the work we do, we want it to be clear where their eyes should go around the page. Um, you know, not everything is linear, of course, like thinking, thinking, uh, human thinking is not always linear, but a lot of times a conversation will have a linear flow or there will be at least some sort of direction to the conversation. And so we try to use visual elements to help steer the reader's eye or the viewer's eye through, um, through the visual. So that's things like arrows, um, little trails, uh, boxes, balloons, you know, um, uh, flashes, um, you know, or, or maybe it's a simple numerical numerical guide. Like, you know, if if a if a group is going through the five bullet points or the five points of whatever, you know, we will number it one, two, three, four, and five, uh, just to make it clear about how to read it. So that's something that we really put a lot of time and, and attention into in terms of, um, in terms of not only the execution of the work but how we train and coach our team on the front end. So the second thing I mentioned is visual hierarchy. Now, visual hierarchy is one of the central pillars of good graphic design. Um, you know, if you look at any book cover, a well-designed book cover, I might uh, mention, you'll see that certain elements are larger, they're more bold. Usually it's the author or maybe it's the book title. Um, and there's tertiary elements that are a little bit smaller and there's, or sorry, secondary elements that are a little smaller and then tertiary elements, which are the smallest. Um, and that's basically, that's visual hierarchy in a nutshell. So largest things are uh, the most important things are are visually larger and the less important things are visually smaller. And so that's that's something we try to integrate into our work as well. So if a really incredible point is mentioned and there's really a lot of you know um, excitement in the room around a specific idea, we try to make that big. You know, we try to make that large. Like the um, constipated elephant. Like the constipated elephant, yeah, front and center. Um, <laughs> No, I think that that's one of the rare things that it was kind of a, a random peripheral point, but the the it got such a laugh in the room that it had to be documented. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, again, tapping into the emotion behind an idea, not just the um, not just the uh, the hard data on it, but right because then they'll probably remember the guy's whole speech if they just think exactly. back on that one point. Exactly, and a lot of times we will insert like inside jokes, like if there's um, like I remember one client. Um, they were talking about culture, company culture, and, and somebody said, you know, we want our employees to tattoo our logo on their butts. And the person said it kind of jokingly, you know, like nobody's going to go tattoo uh, their their company's logo on their butt. Um, but everybody loved that idea. And so um, I drew a butt <laughs> with the, with our client's logo on it. Um, thankfully, awesome. they, they did hire us again. You know, it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't, wasn't too terribly offensive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the hope is that people will remember that and they'll see that image and they'll say, oh yeah, I remember what they talked about, about 
culture and getting people on board and, you know, um, all that good stuff. So, so to answer your original point, you know, we just try to have good navigational cues, uh, in the artwork and then also have hierarchy. Okay, cool. Um, I would love to talk about the business side of your business now. Um, as I was mentioning to you before the interview, um, you're one of the few people that I've had on the show that started a B2B company, which is uh, a very different animal from a B2C. Co- so I'm uh, sorry, I guess I should say but like a business to business company. Your your product is sold to other businesses versus a business to consumer company um, like I had on uh, a woman who makes bras before. So that's like a business to consumer company. She's selling the bras directly to consumers. So anyways... As a B2B company, you have all these different things that you have to deal with. And one is getting a massive company on board versus getting just like a single person on board. And so right. I'm going to read off like some of your clients from your website here. You've got uh, Google, Marriott, the MBA, uh, the American Cancer Society, The Economist, like just so many massive, massive companies. Um how the hell did you do this? Like, how did you get these people? It's incredible. Yeah, it's great. And we're really, we're really proud of the the amazing brands and, and clients we've gotten to work with. Um, yeah. So, um, we didn't work with all those people at the beginning. Um, you know, I think a lot of those brands came around year three. Um, so a lot of times when people look at, at, at a business or small business growth, they only see the present. And so, um, they only see where it's at currently. Um, and so we had two years where we were, you know, just getting up and, and do it, you know, figuring it out and taking any gig we could. Um, so let's like, let's like tell stories about this whole time frame. So your first client, I assume, was the company that you used to work for because they correct. knew that you could do this. And you're like, hey, let me why don't you pay me for this? This would be great. Exactly. Yeah. So we were fortunate to to launch uh, with two clients. Uh, one was my previous employer which was uh, actually Chick-fil-A uh, Inc. here in Atlanta. Um, I don't know if, if your listeners have ever uh, eaten at Chick-fil-A, but <laughs> I'm sure delicious, they have, yeah. <laughs> delicious, uh, delicious uh, fried chicken. Um, and so they were one of our first clients and an incredible brand, an incredible client to work for. Um, and the second one was the church that my wife and I attend. And that was it. Um, I, you know, it was a couple of small gigs, um, nothing, nothing too, um, nothing uh, too, uh, extreme or large. Um, but we were grateful for the work we had and, and did it with as much excellence as we possibly could have. Um, and so for the first few years, it was a lot of repeat. It was a lot of word of mouth. Um, fortunately, the work that we do almost sells itself because it's so visual. Um, you know, we show up at a conference or an event and create large uh, sketches and people see them and they get excited about them. So um, we have the benefit of having a little baked in marketing just in the inherent nature of the work we're doing, right. um, which is wonderful. But, um, but yeah, so my first little, my first, my first answer to your question, just, you know, when it comes to scaling a B2B company is you have to make sure that the product you're offering is just excellent. I mean, that's kind of fundamental, but I know a lot of folks have this great idea for a company and have all this great branding and maybe they, they invest in a brick and mortar location or they hire all these employees. But if the fundamentals of the product they're offering aren't great and they're not sound, then it's not going to go anywhere. So I would say the first two years of our business, we were figuring out what, how do we make our product excellent? How do we make our service remarkable? Um, what needs to go, what needs to change? Um, you know, and, uh, 
in, 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 in pivoting off of that. And one of the, the beauties of being, being a small business, uh, is that you, you are, you have more, um, you have more freedom to make those pivots and most changes and you have more, you're, you're more nimble to adjust to what the market wants and the market, um, needs. And so for instance, when we launched to the sketch effect, um, uh, we had like seven or eight or nine different services we offered. And, uh, I was like, Oh, these are great. Everyone's going to love all these, you know? Um, and I quickly realized that people didn't want to buy there were about five or six of those that people really weren't interested in buying. Um, and so it was a little bit tough emotionally to, to take those off the website. But we said, hey, we're going to focus on the things that we do best and the things that are most profitable. Um, and so that's when we went from, I think, eight or nine services down to three. And we've since cut down from three down to two. So we actually only offer two services on our website. Um, one is the videos. And the other one is the live event sketching, the the graphic recording. Okay. Okay. Now, during those first couple of years, were you uh, like pounding the pavement and trying to sell your your brand and get, get different companies on board? Or was it mostly relying on word of mouth while you just tried to better the company, like you were saying? Yeah. So uh, we did zero outbound sales for probably the first four years or three or three or four years of the business. Wow. That's awesome. Um, So it was really just um, trying to treat our current clients as excellently as we could and deliver as remarkable a product as we could have. Because, um, you know, um, there's this, uh, there's this, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business, you just want to get bigger. You want to get bigger, 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 bigger. And, um, and you know, my thinking was, um, and this was a, this was a story that I learned from Truett Cathy, who's the founder of Chick Fil A, where he said, you know, if we get better, if we get better, the customers will demand we get bigger. And so that's been a mantra that I've really clung to, which is that you know, if we are putting excellent work out into the world, then the clients will come and they will demand more of us. And so. Um, Two years into the business, that's honestly that's when we hired our first full time team uh, team members. That's when we leased our first office space. Um, but it took two years to get to that point where we felt like uh, comfortable enough to make those uh, to take those risks and to, to kind of put our chips on the table and, and and really invest in the work we were doing and, and the product that we were offering. So yeah, so in those first two years, we were pounding the pavement. We were doing a ton of work. We were figuring it out. We were making mistakes. Um, you know, working 18 hour days sometimes. Um, but it was, it was, it was thrill. It was thrilling. And, you know, I'm sure to the other, the other guests who you've interviewed who are entrepreneurs are doing their own thing. It's, it's really thrilling to kind of be in that, in that kind of hustle and grind, um, uh, early, early stage. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It, would you say that the sketch effect is and was, uh, an easy sell or a hard sell for people? Like when you're meeting with someone that, you know, has never tried this before, are they like, oh yeah, it's just so awesome. Or are they just like, really? Like, uh, I'm going to pay you for this? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. One of the things we love to hear when we get on a discovery call or, or, or talk to a, a prospect is that, oh yeah, I've saw this before at a conference or I've been to an event where I saw this. Um, so to answer your question, sometimes it is a hard sell to people who have not seen it. Um, because when you describe what, when, when we describe what we do, it's, it's kind of weird, you know? Um, oh, you show up in a meeting and you draw while people talk. Like, that's weird. Like that's, (laughs) you know, that's not a normal thing. Um, 
And so, so yeah, sometimes it can be a hard sell because it's, you know, our work is the kind of thing where you have to see it to really get it. Um, and a lot of times our clients or our, our, you know, um, our prospects, they just want to know the cost, you know, they want to know what is this and what's this going to cost me. And, you know, we believe that the value that it brings is so much more than any price tag, you know, than any, um, you know, than any, uh, any, you know, actual dollars. Yeah. Uh, See, that's spent. that good rhetoric to then be able to jack your price up. I like where you're coming from, <laughs> William. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, we love it when people have, have seen it or, or have at least a little bit of a framework or a little bit of, uh, you know, some context to what we do. Um, but again, once they, you know, once they see it, then, um, most of them understand the value and, and get it. Yeah. It's, it's gotta be kind of nice and interesting doing this on the the business to business side and working with these major companies who, if they're having like a really big meeting, you know, and flying people in from all over the country and stuff, you know, that meeting might cost like $4 million or something, you know? Right. So you, the, the cost of your thing being added on to the $4 million is like a drop in the bucket. You know, it's like, Oh yeah, whatever. Let's toss it in there because Mm -hmm. you know, we're already spending so much money on this thing. If our employees are going to get something out of this, yes, let's just do it. And you have the, the corporate checkbook versus trying to sell, you know, products to everyday people who are like, you know, pinching their pennies. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so in, in, in what we what we like to say is that having sketch effect in the room um, not only adds value in the moment to the people that are actually in the meeting and actually watching the sketching and actually working through the content, but um, the value lives on long after that. You know, uh, everything we do, like I mentioned earlier, is digitized. So it's a it's a really fantastic um, follow up, you know, material like when was the last time uh, you ever opened up an actual PowerPoint or follow-up PDF document? Oh man, I yeah. don't know. Never. I, I yeah, never. But you know, if somebody sends you a really cool sketch, you know, a really awesome uh, uh, visual that's you know colorful and got funny, you know, cool drawings on it and all that, then then people want to open that and they want to look at that. And um, I bet you there's heard... a lot of employees that will make that like the wallpaper on their computer or something, so they exactly, just get to yeah. see it every day. Every now and then, I'll get some random text or email from somebody. It's like, "Hey, I was in so and so's corporate office downtown, and and I saw your sketch on the wall." You know, and I'm like, "Oh, I love it! Like, that's that's what we want." You God, know, we want such good we, marketing. You know, we want people to um, to get as much value out of the work we provide, um, and to to really um, understand the ideas that they learned and remember them, and then share them with others. Yeah, for sure, for sure. How have you found artists that can do this sort of work? So I went on your website and, you know, you have artists that work for you in various cities across the United States. Um, How do you hire these people? How do you pick the right people out that are able to draw these things the right way, capture the right concepts, not have it just be a big cluster of stuff on the board? Right. Yeah, that's probably one of our biggest challenges as a business is uh, the people, um, because what we are doing is a very unique, um, a unique and demanding uh, service. And it requires not someone not only to be to have right brain skills, but also left brain skills. Um, so, you know, we have people who want to work for us who are incredible illustrators and they can just draw the most amazing things you've ever seen, but they can't, they don't know how to listen, you know, and they don't know how to um, synthesize what they're hearing to draw the right thing on the board. 
Um, and then we have people who are great listeners and, you know, can, uh, can synthesize and can really, um, understand a concept, but they can't visually render it on, on, you know, um, on a board or on a, on a sheet of paper. So it is, sometimes I feel like we're looking for unicorns, um, yeah, it's a very, like, hire, right brain sort of person. when hiring, but, but we found that these people exist and they're they're you know, a lot of times they're doing this work on their own for fun, you know, whether they're attending like a local, um, a local conference or, um, they are doodling in church or wherever it is, you know, people are, are, are doing this type of work, um, and, you know, we try to find them and a lot of times they find us, a lot of times we find them. And, um, we have a very strict vetting process and a very, uh, strict hiring process. So, you know, when somebody wants to work for the sketch effect, we have them, um, we have them go through uh, a number of hoops, uh, <laughs> to, to kind of, um, demonstrate their ability to, to do this. And, um, you know, thankfully the unicorns do exist and, um, the ones that we're, you know, we're really proud of our team members and, um, they do, they do fantastic work and, um, but yes, it sometimes it does feel like you're you're hunting for the Loch Ness monster or <laughs> some some mythical type of person who uh, you know has that interesting blend of right and left brain skills. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, William, let's go ahead and start to wind this thing down um, and go over some mistakes uh, for people that you feel like you made that you could um, could have maybe done better. So, what are like some of the major mistakes that if you look back on the early days of the company that you wish that you had done differently? Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I should have hired an ops person on day one, um, or or an admin on day one. Um, you know, as as an entrepreneur, you think you can do everything really well, and I think that's the first mistake that I made is thinking that, and that's not true. Um, there's things I'm good at, and there's things I'm terrible at. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, I I you know, hiring a really great admin or a really great ops person from the get go, I think would have accelerated our growth, um, even more, um, you know, even more than, than, um, or it would have accelerated our growth big time. Yeah, for sure. So that's, that's one mistake. Um, another one, which I mentioned, you know, I got, finally got around to it, but, uh, I wish that I had focused faster. Um, I think out the gate, I had all these ambitions about all these awesome visual communication products that we could put out into the market. Um, and I probably took too long to spike some of the less compelling products and services and, and, uh, wished I'd focused faster on the things that we did, the things that we did best. Mm. That's um, gotta be so hard when you're starting out because you need money and you need clients and you're just like, look, exactly. if you're willing to pay me for anything, I'll do it. Exactly. Like, oh, I, don't, I don't really do that, but you know, I can, I can try and yeah, you'll give me money. Um, so yeah, you know, take all that with a grain of salt. Cause you know, in, in the early years, you know, you, again, you, yeah, you need to get cash in the bank and you need to, you need to get your name out there. Um, but as soon as you can, as soon as you get a, an understanding of what the market wants and needs of, you know, focus, like begin to focus on those things that are, um, most profitable, um, things that you're best at things that you enjoy doing the most, um, other mistakes, um, those are some good ones, I think. Yeah. So, I mean, you've kind of, uh, over the whole course of this interview and just now when you went over the mistakes, have given a lot of great advice. But um, let's finish off with any other advice that you would give to someone that wanted to start a business-to-business company. Yeah, that's great. Um, 
so I mentioned the uh, the thing about just making sure your product is fundamentally excellent, um, and then going all in on that. Um, another big bit of another bit of advice that I would offer is to have a really clear mission statement. You know, know what it is that you do, and then stick to it. I think that um, you know our mission statement is seven words. Um, our whole team knows it. Uh, you know, we mention it on client calls, and it really is. It's fundamental to who we are and what we do. And if anything does not fit within that mission statement, then we don't want anything to do with it. I love that. Um, what, what is your mission statement? It's to elevate ideas through remarkable visual communication. Love it. Um, so, you know, we tell people we are not an art company. We're not an illustration company. We're not a animation company. We're an ideas company. Uh, you know, ideas are what we get excited about. Visual communication is how we how we do it. You know, that's, that's the package. But... Um, you know, we want to be about communication. So, um, you know, if somebody wants to hire us to make a really beautiful artistic film, we're going to say no, because it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not part of our mission. You know, it's not, um, doesn't fit within that, that mission statement. Right. Um, and then the last two bits of advice I would offer is that operations is, is critical. Um, I think a lot of times people get excited about the marketing or, or the branding or, um, you know, the, 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 the sexier parts of business, but having a great operations team is so fundamental. Um, and having an operational process that you're proud of that you can, that you can rely on, um, is, is worth, you know, is worth its weight in gold. Um, and so we, yeah, we've got, we've got an operations team at the sketch fact and they're, they're fantastic and our clients love working with them. And so, yeah, the product gets all the glory, but sometimes the back end operations um, is really what 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 makes a business um, uh, have a firm foundation. And then the last thing I'll say is just be nice. You know, I think a lot of people like people like to do business with people that are nice and respectful and friendly. And so, um, you know, one of our core values of the Sketchfact is positivity. And so, we just want to be fun, positive people. We want the experience of working with our team to be. Um, to add, you know, add brightness and uh, positivity to to folks' lives. Um, I know it sounds it sounds like kind of, I don't know, fluffy. But you know, if 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 people walk away from working with us and they say those those folks were really great people, and I, you know, I just feel better having <laughs> having worked with them, then that's that's a good thing, you know. And, and just being nice and respectful is is good business. See, this makes me think. Uh, sorry, just one, one last question to tack on the yeah. end here. Uh, some of my friends that have had kids, they talk about how it it like sort of makes them a better person, you know, because they want to be a better person now that they are a parent. Do you right. feel like you've taken a lot of these sorts of things that you're talking about into your day to day life? Like, what is what is my personal mission statement? Am I living that personally? And like, do you, has this made you a better person having started a company? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, this is kind of a side story, but I I decided to leave my former job and start the business literally weeks after I got back from my honeymoon. And uh, thankfully, my wife was on board <laughs> with the plan. You know, it's not it's kind of a shocking thing to uh, to discuss a few weeks after your wedding about <laughs> um you know your your you know your um, your husband going to leave his job, but um. But yeah, I think so. You know, being part of a team is is, is a great thing, and um, having a clear mission statement, having your having your core values that you hold firm to firm to, um, yeah, that that applies in business and also in life, um, and kind of knowing what your um, 
knowing what your true north is, kind of the direction you want to go, the things that you don't want to do, the things that you do want to do. Um, yeah, I think there's tons of crossover into into personal lives and into to relational the relational world. Yeah, very cool. William, well, man, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show and educating us about your company. Uh, tell people where they can go if they uh, want to learn more about you, if they possibly want to hire you, if they're an awesome artist that's doodling right now and they're yeah. like, maybe I could work for them one day. Yeah, absolutely. So our website is thesketcheffect.com. Um, T-H-E, the sketch effect. Effect with an E. Um, and our Instagram is the sketch effect. So is our Twitter um, yeah, and if, if any of your listeners are, are interested in, in sketching and, and want to learn more, we do have a, a jobs. You know, we're always vetting, we're always accepting people who um, who want to reach out. So there's a jobs page where they can they can do that. But um, yeah, it's a pleasure. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to share with your listeners. Hopefully, it's valuable. Hopefully, they learned a few things. Um, and I would encourage your listeners to to apply the principles of visual communication to their own their own lives, you know, try doodling during your next work meeting, try, try getting your team together and sketching out your ideas as a team, you know, um, just cause just if, even if you're not a professional doodler, like, like we are, you can still apply these, these principles to, to your own work and to your own lives. So, um, there's, there's some books out there that are really great that kind of dig into this, um, a little bit more. And so I would encourage your listeners to give it a shot. Cool, man. Uh, Well, Will, this has been great, man. We appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you did, I would appreciate it so much if you considered leaving a review for the show on iTunes. I swear it'll only take like two minutes. Um, Just search for the show on iTunes. Click on it. Click on ratings and reviews. You can leave a quick review um, or just uh, keep listening to the show. I appreciate that as well. Or tell a friend about the show or something. And if you have any ideas for the show, if you have a particular job or hobby that you would like to hear interviewed on the show, if you yourself think that you do something interview worthy and you would like to tell the world about what this job or hobby is that you have, head on over to halfhourintern.com. There's a link right there at the top that says submit your ideas and you could submit your ideas for the show, be them uh, somebody else that you would like me to interview, a particular field that you would like to hear about, or even if it is you yourself that would like to come on the show. Thanks so much for listening, you guys.